Chapter Eight of the Scottish Fairy Book by Elizabeth W. Grierson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Nan Dodge. The Wee Bannock. Some tell about their sweethearts, how they turled them to the winnock, but I'll tell you a bonny tale about a good oatmeal bannock. There was once an old man and his wife who lived in a dear little cottage by the side of a burn. They were a very canty and contented couple for they had enough to live on and enough to do. Indeed, they considered themselves quite rich, for besides their cottage and their garden, they possessed two sleek cows, five hens and a cock, an old cat and two kittens. The old man spent his time looking after the cows and the hens and the garden, while the old woman kept herself busy spinning. One day, just after breakfast, the old woman thought that she would like an oatmeal bannock for her supper that evening. So she took down her bake board and put on her girdle and baked a couple of fine cakes. And when they were ready, she put them down before the fire to harden. While they were toasting, her husband came in from the byre and sat down to take a rest in his great armchair. Presently his eyes fell on the bannocks, and as they looked very good, he broke one through the middle and began to eat it. When the other bannock saw this, it determined that it should not have the same fate. So it ran across the kitchen and out of the door as fast as it could. And when the old woman saw it disappearing, she ran after it as fast as her legs would carry her, holding her spindle in one hand and her distaff in the other. But she was old and the bannock was young, and it ran faster than she did, and escaped over the hill behind the house. It ran and it ran and it ran until it came to a large newly thatched cottage, and as the door was open it took refuge inside, and ran right across the floor to a blazing fire, which was burning in the first room it came to. Now it chanced that this house belonged to a tailor, and he and his two apprentices were sitting cross-legged on the top of a big table by the window, sewing away with all their might, while the tailor's wife was sitting beside the fire, carding lint. When the wee bannock came trundling across the floor, all three tailors got such a fright that they jumped down from the table and hid behind the master tailor's wife. Hoot, she said, what a set of cowards ye be. Tis but a nice wee bannock. Get hold of it and divide it between ye, and I'll fetch ye all a drink o' milk. So she jumped up with her lint and her lint cards, and the tailor jumped up with his great shears, and one apprentice grasped the line measure, while another took up the saucer full of pins and they all tried to catch the wee bannock. But it dodged them round and round the fire, and at last it got safely out of the door and ran down the road, with one of the apprentices after it, who tried to snip it in two with his shears. It ran too quickly for him, however, and at last he stopped and went back to the house, while the wee bannock ran on, until it came to a tiny cottage by the roadside. It trundled in at the door, and there was a weaver sitting at his loom, with his wife beside him winding a clue of yarn. "'What's that, Tibby?' said the weaver, with a start as the little cake flew past him. "'Oh!' cried she in delight, jumping to her feet. "'Tis a wee bannock. I wonder where it came from.' "'Dinna bother your head about that, Tibby,' said her man. "'But grip it, my woman, grip it!' But it was not so easy to get hold of the wee bannock. It was in vain that the good wife threw her clue at it, and that the good man tried to chase it into a corner and knock it down with his shuttle. It dodged and turned and twisted like a thing bewitched, till at last it flew out at the door again 
and vanished down the hill. For all the world, as the old woman said, like a new tarred sheep or a daft cow. In the next house that it came to, it found the good wife in the kitchen, kerning. She had just filled her kern, and there was still some cream standing in the bottom of her cream jar. Come away, little bannock, she cried when she saw it. Thou art come in just in the nick of time, for I'm beginning to feel hungry, and I'll have cakes and cream for my dinner. But the wee bannock hopped round to the other side of the kern, and the good wife after it and she was in such a hurry that she nearly upset the kern, and by the time that she had put it right again, the wee bannock was out at the door and halfway down the bray to the mill. The miller was sifting meal in the trough, but he straightened himself up when he saw the little cake. "'It's a sign of plenty when bannocks are running about with no one to look after them,' he said. "'But I like bannocks and cheese, so just come in, and I will give thee a night's lodging.' But the little bannock had no wish to be eaten up by the miller, so it turned and ran out of the mill, and the miller was so busy that he did not trouble himself to run after it. After this it ran on and on and on till it came to the smithy, and it popped in there to see what it could see. The smith was busy at the anvil making horseshoe nails, but he looked up as the wee bannock entered. "'If there be one thing I am fond of, it is a glass of ale and a well-toasted cake,' he cried. "'So come in by here, and welcome to ye.' But as soon as the little bannock heard of the ale, it turned and ran out of the smithy as fast as it could. And the disappointed smith picked up his hammer and ran after it, and when he saw that he could not catch it, he flung his heavy hammer at it in the hope of knocking it down. But luckily for the little cake he missed his aim. After this the bannock came to a farmhouse with a great stack of peat standing at the back of it. In it went and ran to the fireside. In this house the master had all the lint spread out on the floor, and was cloving it with an iron rod, while the mistress was heckling what he had already cloven. "'Oh, Janet!' cried the good man in surprise. "'Here comes a little bannock. It looks rare and good to eat. I have one half of it.' "'And I'll have the other half,' cried the good wife. "'Hit it over the back with your cloven stick, Sandy, and knock it down.' quick or it'll be out at the door again but the bannock played joke about and dodged behind a chair hoot cried janet contemptuously for she thought that her husband might easily have hit it and she threw her heckle at it but the heckle missed it just as her husband's clothing rod had done for it played joke about again and flew out of the house this time it ran up a burnside till it came to a little cottage standing among the heather here the good wife was making porridge for the supper in a pot over the fire, and her husband was sitting in a corner, plaiting ropes of straw with which to tie up the cow. "'Oh, Jock, come here, come here!' cried the good wife. "'Thou art I crying for a little bannock for thy supper. Come here, hasty, quick, and help me to catch it.' "'Aye, aye,' assented Jock, jumping to his feet and hurrying across the little room. "'But where is it? I cannot see it.' "'There, man, there!' cried his wife under that chair run thou to that side i will keep to this so jock ran into the dark corner behind the chair but in his hurry he tripped and fell and the wee bannock jumped over him and flew laughing out at the door through the winds and up the hillside it ran and over the top of the hill to a shepherd's cottage on the other side the inmates were just sitting down to their porridge and the good wife was scraping the pan save us and help us she exclaimed 
stopping with a spoon halfway to her mouth. There's a wee bannock come in to warm itself at our fireside. Snick the door, cried the husband, and we'll try to catch it. It will come in handy after the porridge. But the bannock did not wait until the door was snicket. It turned and ran as fast as it could, and the shepherd and his wife and all the bairns ran after it, with their spoons in their hands, in hopes of catching it. And when the shepherd saw that it could run faster than they could, he threw his bonnet at it and almost struck it, but it escaped all these dangers, and soon it came to another house where the folk were just going to bed. The good man was half undressed, and the good wife was raking the cinders carefully out of the fire. "'What's that?' said he. "'For a bowl of brose that I had at supper-time, wasn't a very big.' "'Catch it, then,' answered his wife, "'and I'll have a bit, too. Quick, quick, throw your coat over it, or it'll be away.' So the good man threw his coat right on the top of the little bannock, and almost managed to smother it. But it struggled bravely, and got out, breathless and hot, from under it. Then it ran out into the grey light again, for night was beginning to fall, and the good man ran after it without his coat. He chased it and chased it through the stackyard and across the field, and in amongst a fine patch of winds. Then he lost it, and as he was feeling cold without his coat, he went home. As for the poor little bannock, it thought that it would creep under a wind-bush and lie there till morning, but it was so dark that it never saw that there was a fox's hole there. So it fell down the fox's hole, and the fox was very glad to see it, for he had had no food for two days. "'Oh, welcome, welcome!' he cried, and he snapped it through the middle with his teeth, and that was the end of the poor wee bannock. And if a moral be wanted for this tale, here it is, that people should never be too uplifted or too cast down over anything, for all the good folk in the story thought that they were going to get the bannock and lo and behold, the fox got it after all. End of chapter 8 Recording by Nan Dodge